May 2nd, 1973, Asada, along with Zay Malik Shakur and Sandia Akoli, members of the Harlem chapter of the Black Panthers, were pulled over on the New Jersey Turnpike for a broken taillight. That night, at 12.45 a.m., Asada, who was already under FBI surveillance and wanted for kidnap and two bank robberies, life changed forever. While the truth is somewhere in between, the facts are this. Trooper Warner Foster was shot in the head with his own gun. Panther Zay Malik was shot and later died. Asada was also shot and severely wounded. Asada and Sandia were arrested and charged with the murder of the New Jersey State Trooper. Key evidence in the case show Asada's hands were up when she was shot and severed her median nerve, instantly paralyzing her right arm. That made it impossible for her to have pulled the trigger. Further forensic evidence that was administered after the shootout showed no gunpowder residue on Shakur's fingers. Also, what made the case further suspicious, when the other officer returned, he did not report Forrester's presence at the scene, and no one at the headquarters knew Forrester's involvement in the shooting until his body was discovered beside the patrol car more than an hour later. Nonetheless, Asada was arrested and in prison for four years, where she stood trial for kidnap and two robberies. The evidence was flimsy and all three cases were dismissed. However, in 1977, despite all the reasonable doubt, Asada Shakur was convicted of murdering State Trooper Forrester, who some believe was sent on an assassination mission by the FBI's COINTELPRO. Two years later after her conviction, the Black Liberation Army broke her out of prison, and now Asada Shakur lives in Cuba under political asylum. This podcast dives into our thoughts on Asada Shakur's autobiography. Welcome to the Bruz Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens, Dr. Harvey Hinton III, Donovan Snipe, and my wife, Dr. Teresa Givens. A book review podcast where we let the content of the book drive the discussion. And remember, you can support us by subscribing, giving us a five-star rating, and sharing with your friends. Enjoy. So what's your thoughts on the book? My thoughts on the book. 
are that it left a little bit to be desired. Um, I wasn't a fan of the book, and uh, that was about it. Um, <laughs> I liked it. It was it was an interesting story. What's wrong? I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel Teresa on it missing something, but overall, I thought it was a pretty interesting story. I listened okay. to it instead of read though, so I don't. What about you, Harvey? I mean. I I did too. I cheated. I listened to it. I didn't actually read it. And I wonder, was it some stuff she left out? You know, I was like, damn, did I miss something? Because it's stuff I'm still asking myself about. Like, did I miss this? Like, but at the same time, um, I wonder if I would have read this book at 20 years old or 20, 22 years old when I was really starting to read Malcolm, what impact it might have had on the trajectory of the next 20 years of my life. I thought this book was amazing. I think the things that she talked about, um, in many ways it foreshadowed a lot of the concepts and things that I tried to address in my own personal life and personal experiences. And I, I just thought it was an amazing read. And I'm very, I'm not surprised, but I have to own my ignorance in that this was the first time I read this book. And um, I can't tell you how many times someone actually said, hey, man, you need to read Asada. I don't know that anyone has ever recommended a book to me. I don't know that anyone's ever spoke to the seriousness of this text. So, but yeah, I'm I'm wondering, I, I do need to actually read it because it's listening to it, I, I feel like I missed something. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I thought her story was interesting. You know, it, it gave me a lot of insight on who she was as a person. And it kind of gives me insight on somebody who is an activist and it has a passion for change, but you can't tell them anything. And that's her. You know, uh, the story was a story of a stubborn woman who was a fighter. <laughs> I don't think she did a lot of listening to adults. You know, she ran away from home a lot. but. Um, the story was okay. Um, you mentioned something about if you were younger and you'd have read this story. When I first read this story, I was younger because I didn't know who she was. My mother told me who she was. My mother said lady got framed on a New Jersey turnpike and broke out of prison and went to Cuba. You know, that's pretty much what she told me. So this story mm -hmm. is about that lady who got framed, you know, and her backstory mm -hmm. leading all the way up to her conviction. So, um, I mean, it's an interesting story. It's not a story that I pick up and read over and over again, but, you know, it's an interesting story. I feel like there was an unfortunate incident that happened to her, and she was framed for that. That's what made her popular or famous, I should say. But I also feel like, as you stated, she was a little troubled. Um, that's, I think, what I take issue with the most is that personality-wise, she seems to have had a lot of personality disorders. Um, and from the beginning, it seemed that she was searching for something even from childhood. So I think it was easy for her to fall into what she fell into and finding this cause to take up and fight. but. 
I don't know. It, I kind of, from reading the story, it could have almost been any cause that she picked up to fight because it just seemed like she just liked to fight. So, yeah, that's about it. Definitely. Because, I mean, she even mentioned one point in the, time, in the story, like how she was like looking for struggle and like how she thought struggle was so beautiful. And wherever the struggle was, that's where she wanted to be. And I was like, she was misguided no, too, man. She I don't see the misguided as much as it was just she always wanted to make things so hard. I mean, every everything was difficult. It was I guess it was kind of a hard read for me because she just kept making things so difficult and it was kind of painful. I mean, I'm listening to it in the car on the way to Indiana. So, you know, we got time. And my baby girl is digging it. And she says, uh, who is this? I say, it's Asada. I say, Asada like to do things her way, and she has to suffer the consequences. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, I want to I talk a little bit about, uh, so for the listeners, As- Asada is from New York, and she has family in Wilmington, North Carolina, who owns a beach. Uh, the Freeman's Which is Beach, interesting. and as a child, she would go deep. to the beach, and I think she started school in North Carolina, where it was segregated, and they taught her a lot of things, and one of the things that her grandmother taught her early on is respectability politics. You know, she rejected that right away, and when she ended up going back to school in New York and living with her mother, everybody in the South thought that she was going to get a better education by going up to New York. But when she went up to New York, she realized that she had a better education in those segregated schools in the South because the only thing that she faced up North was teachers trying to tear her down and trying to belittle her for knowing things and trying to, like, uh, kill her spirit. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how she would reject Everything that elders told her, even from a young age. It was funny because, like, her grandmother was straight up on some Booker T. Washington in the sense that they were trying to be independent black folks who mirrored white folks. Yes. You know? And it's like, you know, she was, I heard that speech, you know? She was like, you know, still with them alley cats. <laughs> Stay away from the alley cat. And then what she was calling yeah. them? Yeah. grandma and whatnot. And, you know, I um I looked up, Asada uh, was born in July of 46. And she, and right around that time, uh, you had Huey P. Newton. He was born in like 42. You had um, Kwame Torre. Uh, was born in uh, Stokely Carmichael. He was born in 41. So they grew up around this age where the elders had already was settled in. The elders were the ones that was getting lynched and they were settling in. It was a lot of self-hate during that time. It was a lot of taught self-hate and it was a lot of, hey man, if you want to have an easy life, you'll mimic these white folks. So she, she was brought up believing that. And it wasn't until she started getting older and started resisting white people. And her mother was kind of a of a rebel as well. You remember that the story when her well, mother came well, down and got well, her well, in the up, fair? Hold up, hold up. Hold up. I mean, yeah, but we're still talking about, like, 
a limited presentation of the world, right? And where all you would see that is of higher class and of higher quality is white. And so some of it was just her asp- aspiring for high class things. It, it it It's like most of us. I mean, it took her some time to understand the whiteness of what it was that she was taught to admire as as being high class you know but i think i think i think that's where it begins i mean we we're introduced to english literature um the quote unquote classical music the the arts and it's all from a eurocentric standpoint and in the world that she lived in that would have been like for her to have black grandparents in wilmington who had access to that and this other sense of black pride it's it, it's not just about wanting to be white at that time, you know. But yeah, like like what you're saying, Harvey. Like she was going through that that kind of that discovery of like the whiteness and the, what she think has value. It was kind of interesting seeing her, I guess, go through that process of uh, negrescence, where you're like, <laughs> all white stuff is good, and then it's like maybe it's not as good, and then it's like all that stuff is bad. I'm black to the bone, and like I'm super mega black. It's like it was. It was, was real African cool. woman, right? She went, she went African woman. I yeah, mean, she that, went from like, I'm out here got to be straight. You got to be light skinned to like, I ain't dating no red man, and I'm <laughs> never putting a perm in my head ever again. Like, she said she couldn't get that goody good, that good wop going on because she was scared to sweat her hair out, dog. Exactly. <laughs> 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 What's she gonna tell the people at her job? Like, what happened? <laughs> Hold on, she just wants some good summer love. Think about it. She ran away from home. She was lying to, to get there. She, she was in the trap, dog. She was wild. Dog. She was very wild. wild. You know, she was lying. She was lying about her age. She was lying on a resume. Jailbait. My man say jailbait. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, seventeen in the sixties is like forty three. Hey, she so. was ready back then. Yeah, until you know right after that that part about jailbait, jailbait. She was with uh, this boy she had just met, and he was talking about yeah, uh, come to my house for a party. She gets there and she's like, yeah, where's the girls? And they, they was like, don't worry about that. You asked too many questions. And they was about to try to rape her. So she caught herself in a situation where, you know, she was being grown. How'd she get out, though? How'd she get out? She's about to be at Junior's party. How'd she get out of that, though? She was smart. Tell that story. Yeah, she started throwing stuff and breaking stuff. Wrecking this shit. She knew the boy was mad and scared of his mama. I tear this motherfucker up. You don't let me up out of here. Call, call somebody and come get me up out of here. Now, women need to hear that shit, man. Cause I was scared, bro. I was scared listening to that shit. I thought that was about to get her. And to hear how she came out of that, I was like, yeah, man. Like, now, now we ain't blaming victims, but yeah, man, we got to hear this shit. She told that motherfucker up to get up out of there. You know how you're talking to somebody that's young, they're coming out of college or they're going to college, and they tell you that they want to be like an attorney or and they want to work in their community and help their people, and you want to tell them, like, look, man, you're not going to really make much of a difference. But you can't really tell them that because you don't want to crush their dreams. Or you you see like a young activist that's out there protesting Black Lives Matter, doing all these things, and they're getting arrested. And, and you really want to tell them like, look, man, there's nothing you're doing that's new under the sun. There's nothing going to change. Because as soon as you make a change, they're just going to pin something else in place where it's going to be little to no effect of what you just did. They had changed the rules on you. 
but you don't really want to tell them that because sometimes they be wide-eyed or they can just be stubborn like a soda and think that you don't know what you're talking about. So like Teresa says, I prefer to crush dreams. <laughs> like Teresa says, she's the type of girl that, uh, a person that likes to learn things the hard way. Even when she was in prison, we got to realize she went to prison at 27 years old and she stayed in prison for six years. She got tortured in prison. They broke her, what, wrist in prison. And she ended up having her daughter while she was in prison. And, you know, and she was so gun ho on the movement and wanting to be involved in the movement till... Yeah, that jailhouse walk. That jailhouse walk. Yeah, she got, preg- she got pregnant while she was incarcerated. But she never even stopped to think, room, like, how I'm going to raise this baby. She did stop to think. But it was erroneous thinking. It was absolutely asinine. Just the whole idea of idealism. This baby is going to be taken care of. It's the movement. You can't stop the movement. And a poor child doesn't have her mama or her daddy. Right. It's not funny. For the movement. And and she wrote about that when they came to visit her. And the child was just like, get away from me. At four years old. But think about that. Yeah, the child ain't got no attachment to the movement. The child just know I want my mama, I want to eat, and I want to play. Child doesn't care about no movement or anybody else outside of their circle. So, I mean, but she needed that because you got to have that perspective. You got to have something to kind of shock you back into place, like take you out of that ideal. But do you think you did? You. I I don't think I never saw a change. I never saw that she felt anything different about anything she was just very stubborn about everything and she she's the type of person from reading that and of course I don't know her personally so I try not to do that but from reading she she would bite off her nose to bite her face it was just so many things <laughs> that she did recklessly um just with no thought about what it meant for her tomorrow um, even right down to that pregnancy and, you know, being talked into that pregnancy. I was thinking to myself, you are such a strong person. You come through all of these things, you handle things yourself, but you're still really gullible to the talk <laughs> and, you know, just listening to what people tell you and then him telling her, oh yeah, it almost made me feel like when any woman gets talked out of her clothes. She just did it in the courtroom, you know, which was really silly. <laughs> that was women's empowerment. Was it really? She didn't get talked out. Didn't of seem like it to me. It seems like she lost a lot of power in that in that moment. She convinced that brother to be safe. You safe with me, my brother. Again, back to my brother can't perform under stressful conditions. Back, back to what he I can't was perform saying. Under stressful she, conditions. she comes off as it's that impossible. that person that you can't tell shit to. <laughs> they caught up in their own mind. They don't listen to anything. Even, even at the point, y'all remember when she was talking to the warden, and she could never mm-hmm. be humble. She said, "Well, I just, I guess I'll just call you Miss Bitch." Like, come <laughs> on, lady. <laughs> You still fighting? <laughs> you locked up? Yeah, she about that. Yeah. The book was written to in, this day in uh, nineteen eighty. <laughs> the book was written in nineteen eighty seven. 
So she was like 41, between 40 and 41 when she wrote the book. And you would think that... She had some time to think about it, add a little sauce to it. Yeah, but... Or turn it down. Towards the end of the book, the only reflection that she did have was, if I had the chance to do it over again, I probably wouldn't have done this because nothing happened. The only thing that really happened with me was I got locked up and now I'm away from my, my family in Cuba, in exile, and and the world in America is still the same. But even when she went to Cuba, she was still being, can I say a bitch? Uh-huh. <laughs> I never thought that, dog. I mean, you can say what you want to say. Yeah, it's your mouth. I, it's free country, but I didn't, I didn't think that. What you think I she mean, was? She definitely. She, she was, she was, um, dog. Like, I, I mean, she was very uncooperative. I read a book of a woman. That's constantly finding herself in situations, doing things the hard way, and not and, I mean, and not answering to the the signs and the cues. I I saw like she had a contribution to pedagogy and urban education that was amazing. The way she talked about working with those kids, um, I hate that she didn't quote-unquote be a teacher, but I understood why she chose not to become a teacher. Um, she wouldn't have worked well within the system. You know, some people don't work well within those systems. But I think what she talked about from a pedagogical perspective was was spot on in terms of how you meet children's needs first and in terms of how you build a constructive classroom, all those type things. Um, that was cutting-edge stuff that that people teach now, you know. So I think she was definitely a genius. And so sometimes, you know, nah, these smart motherfuckers, they don't follow instructions very well, you know? And I think that's what she was. Like, um, she had a, obviously I'm reading, listening to the the tone of the uh, narrator, and it's not actually a solder, but she had this feisty sexiness I liked about it. I'm like, this chick, you would have to be on your game because she would call bullshit. Like, she probably would call bullshit on, on my my upbringing, you know, being an athlete or whatever. She probably, these jarhead motherfuckers or they're always running, bumping into shit, thinking they doing something, you know, and we would probably be in intellectual debates if I knew her, you know, but at the same time, I, I think, you know. Harvey, it wouldn't have worked. I'd have got that jailhouse walk. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey, it wouldn't have worked. How long was she married, Donovan? Like, what, I'd have got that jailhouse walk. How long was she married? Was like 30 or 60 days? <laughs> Yeah. Nah, that was, was fine. Nah, it was like a few months. She was like a year, dog. She made a decision, yeah. dog. You know, but they was, she was like, like, "Yeah, hey. we're gonna, we not gonna work as." Yeah, we're gonna work. Yeah, I ain't gonna but be cooking for your ass. I gotta read these books, son. I got more. I got more reading to do. Like, she, I, you know, she, 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 she didn't people. cook. She couldn't cook. Nah, she, she, she didn't clean up. Nah. All the stuff she was mad at her mom about, she ain't doing. Yeah, she ain't doing that shit, dog. She realized she is real, and we trying to cook all the damn time. But she was definitely Not giving me. that thing up if you knew how to talk to her right. I mean, she was she was committed to her femininity, and I found that attractive. You know, sapiosexual. You know, mm. yeah, she won't about that he man masculine shit. She won't gonna let nobody run that that shit on her. You know, I thought she was kind of masculine. I thought she had a lot of masculine nah, energy. She was just assertive. Nah, she's just assertive. That that gets confused nah, a lot of times. Oh, I didn't see no masculinity in her. No, she. She will fight you know, again, anybody. I just, Men, I just, women. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Fuck I it. Ain't taking no shit. 
Don't yeah. don't take no tea for the fever like my grandma. It's interesting. Oh, she's Sasha Fierce, always dog. really interesting since you she's all are all men saying shit. and the, your perspective on things and how that's so sexy and this is that and the other. And all this comes across to me as someone who was just really scared and used a lot of, I don't know, a lot of woofing to kind of talk her own self out of her own fears and what she thought might not have been right with herself or other people. And she just kind of just went through life, taking it out on everything and everybody. And that's kind of how she got caught up in what she was caught up in, which was very unfortunate. And I, I want to make sure that I strongly say she did not deserve to be put in the situation that she was put in um, that made her famous. But if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else. You got she missed. She was totally ignoring the signs. She knew her phone was tapped. She knew that the men were across the street watching her, and she was under surveillance. But she was so stubborn that she just ignored it and went on by her daily life. She never made a pivot and be like, you know what? Let me do something else until the block is not hot anymore. No, she went underground, and she thought that she could outsmart the feds. She was like, wow, I ain't paid my phone bill in six months, and my phone having, uh, is not cut off. You know, she knew, and she walked right into the trap because she's stubborn as hell. She knows so much, as some old people say. Like, you can't tell her nothing, and I guess that's ultimately kind of her downfall. I, I don't know. I mean, is she? yeah, her downfall because she's – She's free of America, true, but she can't see her grandkids like how she want to. I I question something. So like, I'm reading, I'm listening to it, listening to her um, synopsis of the black experience, and she's talking about get guns if you're black, because there's gonna come a time if you, you you might not be able to get a gun if you're black. You know, she's saying she's saying some in the in the you know world stuff like that. But then, you know, she might have another revelation that's real soft and kind about why race wars and hating white people just because they white, these kind of things aren't um, positive solutions either. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think she was fighting for no reason. I do think she was very ideological. And I do think I've met people from that era who had to remind me that the people who I was reading about were in fact assholes. And that was refreshing. You know what I mean? Because it's easy to idolize stuff and movements. And I think she was living through a time period that they didn't know as much as we know now. And that's the one place that I would definitely disagree with her and her synopsis of the world in terms of change and things being better. And I'm somewhat cautious to say this, but I'm happy that the social environment isn't the same as the one that she lived under. The statistics and the the vital stats and all those kind of things may not have changed. But our society, for some of us, um, people are able to move and express themselves without some of the consequences that she had to live. So Let me ask you this. When we talk about black leaders, people who go down in the pantheon of the black power struggle, the movement, what is Asada Shakur's contribution? 
um, I guess she became a public victim. Like, she's like the ultimate tale of what can go wrong. Um, she's the tale of if you are fighting for revolution, you could probably get caught up in something. She's an example of how the system will go to great lengths to destroy you based on really nothing if they don't if they don't have it they don't really need a reason so her story kind of although tragic for her like she just becomes like just one of those tales like a cautionary tale of like not to not necessarily not to fight for freedom or be about justice but to i guess not get so cocky to not think that you are so important to the movement that you can't be removed you can't be targeted and also, I guess, to just, uh, I don't know, keep on fighting? I mean, it's so weird because there's no there's no victory, really. Like, she's still in the struggle. We're all still in the struggle. Um, just like Harvey mentioned about like, those statistics. I guess the social strata has improved, but I don't know if that's a good thing because like, she talks about this concept of struggle throughout the book. And one thing that we don't do as much now that we did in the past is we had, like, a struggle, like, at least a, a definite struggle that we can all collectively identify and rally around. Um, but now everybody's kind of disjointed. It's um, like we're so integrated and so mixed in and so intersectional. That, so I don't know. I don't know if we're in a, I think we're all distracted. Really. But as far as her contribution, yeah, um, be careful because the feds will come get you. I 100% agree with Donovan. I feel that um, she doesn't really have a positive contribution to uh, her legacy is one of pain and, you know, what the government will do um, is retribution against people who have tried to rise up and, you know, break the system. They've made examples out of many, many people. So she falls into the category of the many people who um, lost their freedoms, basically, because of the choices that they made to be a part of something. Um, it is also, to me, akin to lynching. You know, what what happened to her was like a philosophical lynching because lynching of we all know was about fear and putting fear into the hearts of others when they saw that they knew to stay in line so um her tale is of you know you want to get framed for bank robberies and uh murder of a police officer and have to go move to cuba away from your family do this and that'll get you that yeah <laughs> lynching that's a. Uh... Uh, Clarence Thomas. This is a political lynching. That's exactly what that was. Harvey, what you think? What is our contribution? I think, um, like I said before, it's unfortunate that I just met her last month in real life, so I can't speak to her in that space in terms of like, oh man, she made me feel this way. However, in reading the text, it seems like she provides a very critical analysis of the, the Black Liberation Army, the Black Power Movement, um, the Black Panthers, um, a very critical analysis around political science and, and what the real nature and strategy around revolution is about. And I think um, it's very important for, for people who think that they want to impact change to have that type of view and understanding 
when they go out and do things. I think I think um, based on what she said, her story, like she forced those Panthers and these other organizations to be real clear about and achieve their goals and objectives as it came to black liberation because she would call them on their bullshit. And so I don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that was very important that she was able to walk into those spaces and call them on their chauvinism, call them on their arrogance, call them on their dumbassness because all the motherfuckers weren't even smart. You know, she, she talked about that too. She talked about how to, how to, how the guy who wasn't the muscle head was getting punked. You know, so she 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 recognized the beauty in people in ways that I think gets overlooked when we talk about the quote unquote struggle and the liberation. So I don't know. I, I don't I, I would really hope to think that when she was alive, her energy was felt the way I felt the way she was telling her story, if that makes any sense. Because it seems like she was one of those people that you knew when she was in the room. Mm. Yeah, I can agree. I think Asada, her story creates a blueprint for anybody who decides that they want to dedicate their life to activism and what it takes and what what to do and what not to do. And here's what could happen to you if you go really, really hard in trying to keep it authentic to the cause. They will get rid of you. Asada is just one of many who uh, experienced a public lynching. And her story could probably uh, relate to a, a lot of people who choose to go that route. I'm sure her story is very familiar to a lot of people's story where people relate to it. But also her story is a tragic story. There was nothing triumphant about her, her efforts. Her life wasn't nothing to glorify. She was living pillar to post. She was hitchhiking. She didn't even have a an address to send mail to. Ultimately, she ended up in prison at the age of 26. I mean, 27, fighting two bank robbery charges, something that was blatantly fabricated. And on top of that, those two charges, she was charged with murder of a of a police officer. So even even if she beat those two charges, you have to beat the other charge. She ended up living the rest of her life in prison and in exile. The autobiography of Asada Shakur is one of those books that you can hand your child, say, hey, you, you, you woke, you, you want to you wanna start protest? You, you know, you want to get heavenly involved in Black Lives Matter? Well, read this book. This book going to educate you. Here's somebody who's done this before. Are you really about this life? Yeah, like what kind of you're what kind of sacrifice are you gonna make? You are you willing to make this ultimate speak sacrifice Spanish? for for the needle to move so small or not move at all? Where all this work you did, there's nothing to there, there's nothing yielding from that. Let me ask this question: An American gangster, Frank Lucas, put on that coat, went to the boxing match. What was Asada's moment? Riding in the car with the wrong person at the wrong time. She never had a moment. That's that's the so point that's, of the question. That's, that's well, no, that's kind of the that's kind of like my point though. Like in terms of like the counter to like, okay, this is what happens to you if okay, what what did she do that that really set herself on fire? Like, what did she really do to put herself in? 
I think it's what I said in the beginning. It's more about her personality because as we talk about it, I don't want to make light of people who are BLM or I don't want to make light of people who really feel like they are working on a cause because guess what? You can be and you can make a difference. I would want to tell my child if they came to me and said, hey, I want to make a difference. You can. You can do whatever you want to do. You can make a difference. But I think her attitude and her, the way that she was so rebellious against everything. And even when she first started with the movement, she didn't know what she wanted to do. She was all over the place with that in the beginning. And when she stuck to what she stuck to, she even had problems starting there. She she could not follow the she, system. She, um, she had that you know, and the system was set in, <laughs> set in place for people to be in order. Because even when you're doing certain things, people in gangs, you know, historically know an order. She was not able to be in order for anything or anyone. So I just want to make sure that we're saying that it was her personality that caused a lot of her demise, Um, not the fact that you shouldn't be an activist because there is a place for that. We need activists. We need people to take it on the chin because everybody else is not strong enough. Everyone doesn't have the courage to do that. But I just believe that it was her stubbornness that brought a lot of her trouble. This is the same person who fired her aunt, who had been working for her day and night endlessly for nothing, no money at all. And she just had a temper tantrum. It was like, you're fired. Was, wasn't attor- her attorney was her aunt? Her aunt, Evelyn. Yeah, Evelyn. But, you know, they was beefing me. Evelyn was oh, my gosh. Did we just say Evelyn, Evelyn was tripping? Quit. Evelyn was working Evelyn her quit. ass off. Yeah, for no money. <laughs> for nothing. Evelyn, Evelyn quit. Okay. Evelyn well, quit. Harvey, we understand you have a crush on Asada. She's in Cuba. Um, you can swim. She old. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not that far. She said you can swim, we, Harvey. We'll head right. We'll take you to Key West and let you go. But it's 90 Harvey, miles off the shore. It's 90 miles. Wow. You, you, the way is, I, you know, I know how you ride bikes. I no know you can do it. No, I, you know. no diss, Masada. No diss, but it's, you know, I respect. It's not the same now. Nah, I mean, Harvey's she got was, a crush. I see. I, but, I, but, but I'm still, but I'm, I hear you about the personality, but, but. So how do you tell a person to turn your personality down? Because we so she so we can't admit that medication. she didn't do anything wrong. You medicate her. <laughs> you, you give her medication. I mean, this was this was off the. Give train. her like an Ativan. Yeah, it was. She was off She'd the right. chain. She, she she definitely had some like opposition or defiance. I mean. It, it, she got it, this is I mean a, Harvey, think about it. She was a, a child. She ran did she say she was like nine when she first ran away from home? I don't think she was nine, but you know, she had issues with so many things. And then you all kind of painted her family as pacifist, and that, that's not true either. Her grandmother was the one who got that white man off her land. She had strong women in that's what her I'm saying. life. That's what I'm saying. But her grandmother was on that, went too that bootstrap. Far. But her grandmother knew what to do and what not to do. Her grandmother knew the line. Asada refused to follow the line. And and it made it hard. It it got her... Had she not traveled, I don't think we would have known. I, I don't think she would have had that same outcome. If she I had- think her traveling, her traveling and her reading, spending time in those museums, 
She, her her level of exposure to the world is a little... Okay, that's you know, great. So, but we're talking about her personality disorders right now. I don't think it's a personality disorder. I don't... I, don't, I mean, I hear you. That's what y'all are saying. I hear you. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> it, it was very strong. It it got her in so many situations. It was... Her story was almost like Forrest Gump. It was like, and then... And then... <laughs> and then... It was like... I'm like, what next? <laughs> Now it was kind of weird how she was like going back and forth, and you know, with the with the narration, and how like in some sections she's just straight up telling you how history went. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, she 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 tell she she's giving you revisionist history lessons in this joint. Mm-hmm. You know, she she definitely <laughs> was um had some range, yeah. right? And you I know, really and, wasn't and, fond and of that experience. either, especially listening um to the book when her, it was with weird. her jumping like that. It it was a little interesting for me because I would be very involved in some of the story that she was telling. And the next thing I knew I was back into jail and I like you, Harvey probably would have done better if I saw it in print as opposed to her telling me the experience, um, Mm -hmm. the way she was telling it to me. But I, I, I just, it was just a couple of things with her that I was going, oh, my God. And, the, you know, having that baby, because, I mean, it was well thought. That was wild, like she, yeah. she was on target. That was another thing with me. She was on target from the beginning with never wanted to have a baby, never wanted to bring a baby in this world. She felt like this world was so messed up. It was so unfair don't want to bring a child in it. And then she let old boy just turn her head super sideways. And then it became a beautiful thing. And I was like, wow, you're he not as strong as you think sideways. you are, Asada. Mm-hmm. He turned them prison drawers. He turned them prison drawers sideways. Yeah, that's so, you know, here she is pretending to be so strong that she can't even, this, the prison guard can't tell me not to walk around in circles in my room. And when did I join your army? When I join your army, that's when you tell me what to do. But then you just going to turn over and let this man impregnate you in the prison. Not as strong mm, as you that's say. Women's that's power, when man. all them strong women be one. They be all hard and tough to somebody put their chest on them. and be like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know that story. This is how it be. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, again, Sada. that's why That's why it's... The bros and a girl, because that does, <laughs> does not compute. Does not compute. All right. Harvey, I'm going to start with you. If you rate this book one through ten, ten being the best, what you give it? I think it's been a, it's been a, the realest ten that I've experienced in this in this uh and I and I read this year and this season. So I am definitely a ten on Yeah, this. you're giving this book a ten. Yep. And the writing and the story and everything? Yep. Okay. I, just, I think it's that impactful. I think it's that important. I think it's, like I say, I think it, the way people talk about Malcolm in, in terms of transformation and growth and, and redefining oneself and self-awareness, I think I think this book hits on all cylinders. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Donovan? Um, I'll give it a solid seven. Mm. Okay. Cool. It was cool. I mean, but it it did it did kind of bore me in certain sections. <laughs> yeah. Six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. I get a book a six. And the reason why I'm not gonna give it a five, because the book was uh 
it was replete with a lot of history. And it was history that I've already, I already knew. But if you were young and you hadn't been introduced to this, then it's something that it will make you go and seek and learn something else. I think Asada's story is an important American story. You know, the mind and the psychology of an American activist. But in terms of, like, the story story, it was, like you said, like Donovan said, it was parts of the book that was kind of boring. Um, you know, it was parts of the book that I thought intriguing. I've read better books, better written books, but she's not an author. Um, you know, anyway, so I get the book a six. And, you know, if it wasn't for that, it would have been a five. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that concludes it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Freedom means something.